Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today, I would like to welcome Jennifer Alembic, food addiction coach. Thank you very much for joining us today so that we can learn about food addiction. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Can you please share your journey to becoming a food addiction coach with us? Sure. It, it all came from personal experience and my personal journey with food, which started very early. I was young. I sought food for comfort and for soothing. I believe that I was genetically disposed with addiction. Alcoholism ran in my family for generations so that I think I had the gene for it, but it was certainly ignited and sparked by the tumultuous home I was brought up in. There was a lot going on. And my parents split up when I was four and there was just a lot of lack of security and things like that. So I sought food early. I was like six or seven, you know, hiding in the closet, eating all my Halloween candy, climbing cabinets to get to food. My mother hid stuff at the top and I would find the stash. I started getting chubby like around nine, 10. I guess my first diet that I went on was in high school. It was coming at the end of 10th grade. But in my mind, I was huge and it was my insecurity and I just felt so uncomfortable in my own body. So I went on this diet, got down to 127 for approximately three minutes and just went right back up and then surpassed that. And things were going on really, a lot of stuff in the home life that was going on that was crazy. I went up to 180 in my junior year and I was really pleasantly, pleasantly plump. And, you know, I would walk around with a smile on my face and everybody thought I was just so happy and everything was okay, but I was dying inside. I had a lot going on and I was using food and I was grabbing it wherever I could get it. You know, I was a sneak eater. Um, I would eat pretty decent in front of you, but when I could get food, I would take it wherever I could. When I went off to college, you know, I was on my own. I could eat when I wanted. Nobody was monitoring me, doing all that stuff. And, you know, they had delivery right to the to the college dorm room. So, of course, I was probably hitting close to 200 pounds. And I was using alcohol as well. And, like, the addiction would just, it was just progressive. I went to treatment when I graduated college. Treatment was good. And I learned that I had, they taught me that, you know, sugar was a problem and that we weren't going to eat sugar anymore. So they got me on this food plan, but the food plan still allowed flour. So of course I did okay for a while because it was a quote unquote diet and I was following it. But when you can have carbs, you know, that just brought me right back to the food. And there I was again, gaining the weight, binging my brains out. And it was just an awful existence. 20 years of my life felt like Groundhog's Day as far as the way I felt. I woke up every day hating to go into the closet because nothing fit. I didn't feel good in my own body. 
Um, and I was self-conscious all the time. You know, I'd walk into a room and I'd scan, am I the largest girl in here? And mm. it, it was just an awful existence. So on my 45th birthday, I woke up, I was miserable. I was in a, not a good marriage. And I just knew something had to give. I was like, I cannot continue like this. You know, I am well-educated, I'm well-traveled. What am I doing with my life? I'm just just waking up and kind of existing. You know, I was a high functioning. I have three kids. I was showing up for wherever they needed to go and what they needed to do. But nobody really knew that I was just really rotting inside out. Um, I was finally taught that sugar and flour I was highly addicted to. And that was causing me to constantly in this binge cycle. When I ingest sugar and flour in any form, it sets up a physical craving followed by a mental obsession that is like, so I can't describe it except any other addict would understand it. If you are addicted to cigarettes, if you are addicted to alcohol, if you're a cocaine user or a heroin user and you're addicted, that obsession to get your drug is just so powerful. It's mm-hmm. very powerful. And, and that's why, you know, I find it interesting how it's still controversial. Like people really question, is there really such a thing as food addiction? And it baffles my mind. How could you even question it when you see the obesity in this country and now on the rise in India and China, and you look at diabetes on the rise with young kids? Mm-hmm. We have a serious issue. We certainly do. I want to take a step back a little bit in what you were saying before. You mentioned your mother very briefly. Yes. When you were young, you said that you were drawn to searching for food. Mm -hmm. Your mom would hide the stash. I don't know if she was hiding stash because I was young, but I just remember above the oven at the, like the top of the cabinet, Mm -hmm. Um, she had this licorice back in the day. We had the skinny, skinny, skinny strands of licorice. And I just remember like climbing to get that. But my house wasn't necessarily filled with lots of sugar products back then. I mean, we're talking the early seventies. It wasn't, you know, cereal wasn't cereal was just coming out in the mid seventies, like I think 74. So there wasn't a lot of junk food around, but if it was around, I was going to try and get my hands on it for sure. I, felt that early on. Did your mother ever notice that you were having? No, clueless. My mother was drinking. My mother didn't get um, really, she got sober, I think. She got sober, she says, when she was eight, but she didn't get clean and sober till she was 12, till I was 12. You also mentioned throughout your life that you felt this underlying presence and physical sensation or sensation of being miserable. Can you expand upon that? Were you physically miserable? Were you mentally and emotionally miserable? What do you mean by that? Okay, great question. No, I don't think at that time, um, at an early age, I would say around seven, eight, I was very aware of my physical body and that I didn't necessarily, I was very self-conscious of it. Mm. You know, I would compare myself to the other girls. Um, as far as, you know, growing up with a mother who was an alcoholic and it wasn't, 
it wasn't so much a secret. Like my parents split when I was four. So we're talking 1972. Getting divorced was not common back then. Um, and my mother was the block drunk. People knew that she was the drunk. And, you know, the, the ladies in the you know, I grew up in one of these communities where we had a beautiful house on the water and everything looked gorgeous on the outside. My dad was a dentist and every house had 3.2 kids in it. Everybody was married and, you know, upper middle class. And they knew that in my household, there was craziness and my mother, everybody knew. And there was a lot of shame that I carried from that. And I walked around and learned very well to pretend that I'm okay. Nobody needs to worry about me. And I would smile. And if anybody asked me, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm good. But I know that when I think about my childhood, it's sad. And it was very lonely, very lonely. Let's dive into the food addiction portion. In the most current uh, DSM, which is short for Diagnostic and Statistic Manual for Mental Disorders, uh, the manual published by the American Psychiatric Association that talks about classifying mental disorders, food addiction is not mentioned, at least not at the present moment. Mm -hmm. So how would you describe or how would you define food addiction? I define food addiction as when you have an obsession with food and body and it's constant, just like any other addiction. It takes over your life. Sugar and flour is in all our products. Most people eat processed food. Sugar and flour is in everything. So I really believe like most people have a level of addiction to it. That doesn't mean they're going to go off the rails, but if you took it out of their diet, they might feel, they might go through a little withdrawal, but people who have food addiction Mm -hmm. seek it because they need it. They need it to get through the day, just like an alcoholic needs his alcohol, just like somebody getting off cigarettes needs that cigarette. It's the same pull. It's the same compulsion. It's the same obsession. Mm. And so because it's not so well characterized in the medical community at the present moment, how prevalent is food addiction? Is it more common in men versus women? Of course, it's, it's mostly women, I would say. The, you know, the percentages are higher in the women area. But, you know, it's interesting that you say that the DSM doesn't acknowledge it. But, yeah, the Center for the CDC... These, these are the last statistics. The average height for an American woman is approximately five foot three inches. Mm-hmm. And the average weight is 168.5 pounds. The average American woman is walking around five, three and a size 14, 16. And one in three American kids are overweight. We're an unhealthy population. You know, I believe in food addiction. I know it exists because I struggled with it and suffered with it. Now look at all the diet programs out there. We're dealing with, this is, this issue is so much bigger than just the medical community. You have a diet industry and you have food industry. You have the medical industry. You have all these industries making billions, billions of dollars off healthy, unhealthy people selling products. We go from diet to diet to diet. The average American has been on seven diets in their lifetime. I have read literature discussing the addictive nature of sugar 
just as say cocaine is in the same reward it center areas the, of your exactly, brain. Exactly. Lights up the same area of the brain. They say sugar is even more powerful than cocaine. Mm-hmm. That's what the latest is. And I love this. I have another statistic for you. It's estimated by the WHO, which is the World Health Organization, mm-hmm. that globally over one billion adults are overweight and 300 millions of these, 5% are obese. These numbers are huge. The fast food industry in the United States is worth approximately 198.9 billion U.S. dollars. That's insane. And it certainly is a very complex subject. What do you think are the main causes of food addiction? What do you think tips a person over? It's so accessible. The amount of food that, first of all, we've lost the the family dynamic of sitting down and eating meals together. We no longer have three meals a day. People eat at all hours. People live for the next best restaurant. It's become synonymous with joy rather than health. Mm -hmm. I hate to say this, but we are a nation of immediate gratification. They don't want to cook. They don't want to have to take care of themselves. They just want it served to them fast, easy, and cheap. And it takes, it takes care. It takes self-care to cook a meal at home, to prep good food, to go food shopping. And I don't agree with this. You know, people are obese or people are fat because it's cheaper to eat unhealthy. That's really not the case. I think... Why are we food addicts? We're a sedentary society. But look at all the food that's available. I mean, what was when I was growing up as a kid, it certainly wasn't available the way it is now. And when I was growing up, it was a treat to go out to eat. You maybe did that once or twice a week if you were lucky. I know families that nobody cooks in the house. From what you've been saying, what I'm understanding is that there's definitely a difference between overdoing it with food um, and being out of balance versus crossing over that fine line into actual addiction where it's more compulsive. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Food addiction is a huge spectrum. On the, on the really bad side, we've got anorexia, and on the flip side, we have my 600-pound life, okay? And we've got everything in between. So I do believe there are levels of food addiction. The worst is when you're jonesing for your, for your stash and you're, you, know, you, go to, you go to your local supermarket, you get your stuff, and you can't even make it home, and you're ripping into the bags before you get home because you can't make it home because you've got to have it. You just have to have it. That's the extreme. But there are plenty of people walking around 100 pounds overweight, and they don't think they, don't think they have a problem. But ask them to take food and sugar and flour out of their diet, and they'll scratch your eyes out. Part of this disease, it's very complex, food addiction, but part of it is body dysmorphia. There's a lot of people I'm dealing with the, somebody now who – She's over 300 pounds, and she couldn't tell you how she got there. She's very bright, well-educated. All the knowledge in the world does not make a difference when you want your product. Everybody knows the apple is healthier than the donut. Let's face it. Mm -hmm. 
you don't have to be highly educated, but all the knowledge in the world does not make people make healthy choices. That's just the way it is. So in your work, how do you help support a client with food addiction? And do your methods vary by individual? No, they, well, not really, because it all starts with the food. It doesn't matter what issues are going on in your life. You've got to put your drug down if you're going to deal with any of it. Mm-hmm. So I put them on a very well-balanced food plan. It's three meals a day. I highly suggest for the first 30 days of my program, you do not go out to eat so we can get them back on a rhythm. Most of them, most people don't eat breakfast. I would like to say food addiction doesn't necessarily mean you have to be obese or you have to be 30 pounds overweight. I have met people that have the addiction that are only, you know, maybe had 10 pounds to lose, but it consumed their mental brain all day long, what they're going to eat, how they're going to eat it, how they're going to dispose of it, how many hours do they have to exercise to get rid of the five cookies that they just had. Hmm. I mean, it's a mental obsession. And that's really what characterizes a food addict. So how does the client participate in his or her own recovery? Um, Well, first they would come to me, we get them on the food and that, that, that in itself, getting them to learn how to cook, what to cook, what to eat, because this whole country is dazed and confused as to what to eat. We are so bombarded as a society as what's healthy, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and what we should be eating and what we should be eating. People have no idea. My thing is stay away from bags, boxes, and cans as best you can. Just stay away from them because it's all processed. So eat fresh vegetables, fresh fruit, fresh protein, grains, and let's get you on a well-balanced diet. And then they start doing, once they start have the food down, a lot of stuff comes up. They, they go through, it's almost like the grieving process. When you lose somebody, you know, they go through the anger and then the sadness, and then the, they're left with, what did I do with my life? And, and I have them do, I set them up on a morning routine and a night routine. And we do lots of, I implement lots of tools and techniques that they can use. And then community and um, support. You've got to have support. You cannot do this alone. And you need to talk to somebody who understands addiction. If you don't, there are a lot of wonderful, well-meaning dietitians and nutritionists out there who really believe that if you just eat in moderation and you learn what to do and you learn what's eating you, then you won't have an issue with food. I went to plenty of therapy and even in treatment, it was like, when you find out what's eating you, you won't have an issue with food. But did they ever say that to the smoker or the heroin addict or the alcoholic? Never. For anybody to tell you that you can eat in moderation does not work for everybody. Certainly. And definitely. I had a a nutrition educator on recently, uh, Christine Rosandich, who talks about bio-individuality. And not everything can work for everyone. Correct. So you're absolutely right. So there's a group of us that cannot go near it. And I do believe that there are those that You know, I help people who just want to get healthy, like they can feel the difference because their body's sensitive. 
when they're on sugar and flour, they feel like caca, you know, Mm -hmm. they just don't Mm -hmm. feel good and they just want to get healthy. So they'll come to me and say, okay, help me get some structure and discipline and routine with my food. And that's one of the pillars of my company that I do. Do you have any pearls of wisdom or in, uh, in the form of stories with clients that you can share? You know, one of my favorite things with clients is when they truly realize how much they were not living and then they start to live. Because once you've got your drug down and your food down and it's in its proper place, they start really living and enjoying again. And the clarity for life and the just enjoying the small moments. When you lose a hundred and some odd pounds, you feel freaking awesome. I mean, I'm maintaining a 75 pound weight loss for the, for over five years now. And it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Every day I get dressed, I don't have to worry that my clothes don't fit. I just go into my closet and I get to decide what I'd like to wear, not what the hell's going to fit me. And that is such a good feeling. It feels so good to learn to have loved myself. I love I love me. I love taking care of me. It feels good. And when I see my clients turn that corner from there, they don't want to they don't want to take care of themselves and they don't want to cook and they don't want to do all this, but they really are desperate to get healthy and they want to feel good and they want to get off their medication. And then once they start feeling good physically, like so it's like your life goes from black and white to color that is the best way i can explain it when you start taking care of yourself putting down your drug and it frees up your brain to start living you're no longer obsessing about what you're going to eat when you're going to get it how you can hide it how how much stash do you need to hide to get you through the weekend or who you're with or whatever the scenario is you're no longer consumed with those thoughts and it frees up your brain to think of all the things that you've not been participating in. You know, food addiction or any addiction is very isolating and your life gets very small. Do you think that therapy is also an integral ingredient to recovery? Good question. Is it, it's certainly not harmful, but I think if you're going to a therapist who does not understand addiction, I think that can be harmful. Mm. And uh, because the the woman that I just took on recently, this client, she's had all the therapy in the world and she thinks she's working through her issues. But when you're working through your issues and going home and eating a dozen donuts, you're getting nowhere. You are just standing still, spinning your wheels, but you're not going anywhere. You're getting a lot of good insight and you might be getting a lot of aware, um, you're getting a lot of insight, that's about it, but you're not moving forward because you're still stuffing your feelings. You still can't manage your feelings and your pain. And if you can't learn to live life on life's terms without abusing yourself with food or whatever your addiction is, then how well is it helping you? How far are you going? I would like to ask you, what your personal definition of what it means to be healthy is. I think when you are physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually in balance and, you know, a person who seeks 
to live a healthy lifestyle, which means feeding yourself well with healthy, good foods. Does it mean you can't have a piece of chocolate? Absolutely not. Enjoy yourself. If that's if you can indulge once in a while, that's great. And you um, take care of your body. Maybe you do some yoga. I know you are the yoga MD. I absolutely adore yoga. And I contribute yoga to helping me get to my core of getting honest with myself with my addiction. Mm. I do contribute yoga to helping me become aware. Um, I love working out in the gym or just taking a walk and being with nature and participating in my life. A healthy person is one who is going after what brings joy to them, whether it's painting or whether it's singing or dancing or just playing with their children or their grandchildren, but really taking time to seek joy in their life. Um, that work is not their end all be all. Um, that you take time for other people, volunteer, get out of yourself to really participate in this world. And what is your passion? What are you here to do? Um, how do you want to show up in this world? And if you're not showing up the way you want, then get on that journey and that path to become who you want. Um, you know, be well-rounded and open to all the possibilities that life has to offer because it's just endless. Thank you so very much for sharing your valuable uh, time and experience with us today. How can we find you? Um, you can find me at Jennifer Olympic. It's A-L-E-M as in Mary, B as in boy, I-K, dot com is my website. Or you can go to Jennifer Alembic Coaching and find me on Facebook or Instagram. I have a great little webinar. It's less than 20 minutes long. It has great five tips that you can start immediately. That's at foodfreedom11.com. That's 11, the number, 11, foodfreedom11.com. You can hop on there and get some great tips to start you off. And I have a Facebook group called Food Addiction Forum where I, I talk a lot about personal stuff and I'll do videos on there. I would love to hear from you. Thank you very much. And you have a wonderful day. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> you have a wonderful day. Rather than practical tips, here's some more information about the subject of food addiction. Food addiction is a controversial subject. Currently, the DSM-5 has no definition for addiction, but refers to substance use disorders of which gambling is the only one listed as of now. The definition of addiction is as follows, by the American Psychological Association, a chronic disorder with biological, psychological, social, and environmental factors influencing its development and maintenance. Genes affect the degree of reward that individuals experience when initially using a substance, like drugs, or engaging in certain behaviors like gambling, as well as the way the body processes alcohol or other drugs. Heightened desire to re-experience use of the substance or behavior potentially influenced by psychological, like stress or history of trauma, social, like family or friends use of a substance and environmental factors 
like accessibility of a substance and low cost can lead to regular use and exposure with chronic use and exposure leading to brain changes. Here's the definition of addiction by the American Psychiatric Association. A complex condition, a brain disease, that is manifested by compulsive substance use despite harmful consequence. People with addiction, severe substance use disorder, have an intense focus on using a certain substance or substances such as alcohol or drugs to the point that it takes over their life. They keep using alcohol or a drug even when they know it will cause problems. Yet a number of effective treatments are available and people can recover from addiction and lead normal productive lives. Food addiction has been the subject of interest in scientific research and more and more studies are cropping up. There's something called the Yale Food Addiction Scale. This was the first scale consisting of 25 questions designed to assess addictive eating behavior. And it was developed to see if food addiction had the same diagnostic criteria as behavioral disorders. This scale is used to see if a person has food addiction. Finally, studies have been able to show that there are changes consistent with addictive behavior as well as biological changes to foods high in fat and sugar. Interesting to note, obesity, binge eating, and food addiction do not necessarily all coexist. Check out the show notes to learn more about food addiction and don't hesitate to get help if you need it. Thanks for being here. See you next time.